0: Welcome to the Brian Nichols Show. You thought you could get rid of me with one episode this week? Wrong! Two episodes this week, folks. Scrap in. I'm your host, Brian Nichols, Associate Editor over at the Libertarian Republic. Brian Nichols Show, if it's your first time joining us, well, then hey, we are the latest and greatest podcast on the We Are Libertarian Network. And I say to you, welcome to the Brian Nichols Show. We're the fastest growing Liberty podcast reaching those all across the political spectrum. As host, my goal is to present the news you care about in an objective manner with the main goal of helping to educate, enlighten, and inform. As always, you can follow me over on Twitter and on Facebook at B. Nichols Liberty, and please feel free to subscribe to the Patreon at B. Nichols Liberty to help us keep on producing this content that you enjoy. And hey, if you have a question or comment, email me at Show at gmail.com. Also, please share today's podcast with your friends and family to help us keep on promoting this message of liberty. And finally, please take a moment and rate us on iTunes. And ladies and gentlemen, today I am joined by another phenomenal guest. Alex Merced is the vice chairman of the Libertarian National Committee, replacing former vice chair Arvind Gora at this year's Libertarian National Convention. Alex is an American author, blogger, marketing consultant, financial industry corporate trainer, and libertarian pundit. A- Alex is the host of his show, The Alex Cast, where he discusses libertarian ideas such as individual liberty and free markets. Alex Merced is also the founder of online commentary website, libertarianwingmedia.com. He previously ran for public advocate in New York City in 2013, senator of New York in 2016, and New York City controller in 2017. In 2018, he is the senior policy advisor for the Larry Sharp campaign for New York and candidate now uh, and now current vice chair of the Libertarian National Committee. Alex Merced, thank you so much for joining us and welcome to The Brian Nichols Show. How are you doing?
1: Doing good. Thank you for having me on the show today.
0: Um, It's great to be here. Absolutely, Alex, you, and I, I. So I was just on um, on Chris Spangles We Are Libertarians show back on Tuesday, and um, we were doing a, a little you know peek in advance. So yesterday I had on um, I had Matt Geiger from Seventy One Republic, and obviously I'm having you on today. So I did a little peek behind the curtain for the uh, We Are Libertarians listeners, and I said, Hey, folks, you know if you're you're looking for a great uh, a great person in libertarianism to to market with and connect with. I can think of not only a nicer person, but a, a more uh, just just overall kind and smart and just overall great guy in Alex Merced. So, I mean, <laughs> I'm just I'm so excited to have you on the show today and really and we're obviously going to dig into a little bit more contemporary things that are happening in the uh, the libertarian circles right now, both. National Committee, but also going into um, some more political stuff that's been going on between uh, Republicans uh, leaving the LP and, and, and the like. So before that, though, I wanted to give you the floor. I want you to introduce yourself to my audience beyond the scope of a, a, a succinct bio. I just want you to kind of give a flavor. Who is Alex Merced to my audience?
1: Got it. So for those who don't know me, again, as Alex Merced, I'm the vice chair of the Libertarian National Committee. And basically, my big mantra is changing the world through aspiration, in the sense of being, instead of always just telling people, okay, this is how you should do things, this is why you should do things, trying to be an example of the kind of changes or the kind of things I want to be. So, um, for example, when it comes to wanting people to communicate better with each other, to work together with each other better, and do things like that, um, while I do talk about it a lot. I do. I did start something called the Libertarian Positivity Caucus within the Libertarian Party to kind of push positive messaging. I, I do a good, I do a hard, uh, I do the hard work of, of, of actually practicing it, which means when people get upset with me, it means I don't get upset with them. Um, you know, especially over the last 24 hours, this has really been put to the test where, um, you know, neither here nor there, I, I did have to make a decision uh, as the vice chair of the libertarian Party, that definitely did not make me anybody's favorite. Um, so, I, but I, but basically, again, I'm all about building bridges. So I've made the effort of everybody who's expressed uh, some <laughs> some hatred for me over the last 24 hours, uh, making sure I'm just getting on the phone with them and letting them just kind of basically tell me how they feel and and you know rebuild those bridges one by one, um, showing them you know that even though they disagree with my decision, that you know, it doesn't mean I'm not here to listen. I'm not here to try to find ways that we can all work together, move forward together, and grow as an organization. As I said, really think...
0: quick, I'd say it's what, so people understand what you're referring to, and we're not going to dig into it today because I don't, I don't think it's really something that's it's really necessary to dig into the weeds. But it, Alex was referring to there was a motion to um, essentially restate uh, that the libertarian messaging and platform is based on that of property rights because of the uh, the recent insurgence of some libertarian socialist party members and honestly it's it's so in the weeds and it's so beyond the scope of what people really care about people outside of the LP they, they don't care it's way above above their heads and like if we really want to message to people like we gotta get beyond this this stupid this nitty-gritty, stupid stuff. So that's what Alex was referring to, just for people who are, who are curious as to this past 24 hours that he's speaking of. But Alex, I'll let you continue. Sorry about that.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah. But basically, it's just stuff like that. Just trying to be a listening voice when people... Because oftentimes, people get upset, okay? So, for example, um, like I know one thing that uh, me and you interacted on Twitter about was, was the Austin Peterson tweet from the LP National page mm-hmm. that got a lot of people riled up. And, uh, you know, a lot of people took the opportunity to be I would not want to say negative for me but you know negative for the party and whatnot and instead of just doing what a lot of people would do which is just kind of lash out and response I just said I just tried my best to listen and try to you know basically facilitate a conversation because oftentimes when people know you're listening it, it the escalation the heat it, it calms down and then you can actually move forward and actually change hearts change minds and that's 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 It takes a lot of patience to be willing to to take a lot, but um, it's something that I'm trying to teach people by example, by being, saying, hey, this is a way we can grow. We don't necessarily have the billion dollar budgets of other other ideologies to just sit there and, and just bombard people. Also, we have a much different message. While the other parties are just basically trying to scare people into giving up their rights. We're trying to inspire people that they can take life into their own hands and take control of their lives. So that so basically, we don't have the easy way of fear. We have the much harder message, but the much more right message of hope that we've instilled in people. And that does require uh, patience and virtues like forgiveness and tolerance and stuff like that to really kind of communicate those.
0: Agreed. And if I may, I, I totally agree with the, the statement you made there that we have the harder, uh, mission to, to reach out to people. And that's why, and let's just, let's just dig into it. Cause you, you mentioned it there. Um, that's why I, I really could not understand and wrap my head around the messaging that was taking place at LP national, um, in terms of their, their tweets towards, um, former presidential candidate for the LP in Austin Peterson. But then at the time he was, uh, the candidate for Missouri's uh, GOP nomination to defeat Claire McCaskill in the U.S. Senate uh, campaign, um, Austin ended up getting third place, uh, getting, I think it was 8.3% of the vote. And um, the LP National um, official Twitter handle tweeted out in, in a series of tweets, if the thorough drubbing suffered by Austin Peterson In the recent Missouri election, is any indication, (laughs) leaving the Libertarian Party to get elected doesn't work so well. Although Peterson had placed second in the nomination for the Libertarian presidential candidate in 2016 after Governor Gary Johnson, he later switched to the GOP in order to run for a U.S. Senate seat in Missouri. He placed third in the R primary with only 8.3% of the vote. So, with that being said, Alex, I... I agree with you in what you said that we have a harder job in terms of, of reaching out beyond libertarian circles. So I have to ask you as the is an official you know voice for the libertarian party, why have a, a Twitter account purposely throw bombs at someone who I would dare say is considered a libertarian ally and alienate a group of potential libertarian members? just for the sake of of it seems just the sake of trying to to ruffle feathers and and to really expose old wounds
1: um understood i did i did i did uh, after we interacted on twitter i did have kind of go back and just kind of ask people just kind of get a vibe for what the intention at least was um again there are there are times where sometimes uh, volunteers um may put stuff out on social media that i'm you know, I, I I go, you know, not necessarily sh- maybe, maybe it should have been there, but could have been done a little bit differently or at a better timing or, you know, there's, there's quite, there's legitimate questions to ask. So I, I did have the conversation and I basically, from my understanding, the, the intention was the way it came across wasn't didn't necessarily come across this way, but the intention wasn't necessarily to, well, the intention was more to criticize the GOP as a vehicle than to criticize Austin saying Basically, that he had done pretty pretty darn well. I mean, that was an impressive 2016 campaign. Um, I mean, I, I ended up voting for him at, at the 2016 convention, um, and basically comparing that to just the view, the, the, the the room for uh, that in the in the GOP. And I do I do share that concern about the GOP. I do think after 2016 that the that it's basically taken more sort of a popular shift. So sort of the the vacuum that the, 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 that the that libertarians were trying to fill post 2008, uh, that door kind of closed. So we did get in some people, like there are, you know, the people like MASH, Massey, um, you know, I love those people. And then there was a window, there was after 2008, after, you know, the losses in 2008 for the GOP, there was definitely a vacuum, an identity uh, crisis that occurred in the GOP. And in that sort of dialogue, you had a few libertarians sneak in. But I do think that doors kind of closed with the sort of very decisive the victory of, of Donald Trump, which kind of pushed, which basically said a populist message is the winning message. Cause that was the message that well, won. If I, so if I can I... challenge
0: you really quick. So I agree, I agree to an extent. Yes, obviously populism has, has swarmed the, the GOP without a doubt. But it, I mean, if we're going to be objective, we have to look at, you know, what actually is happening right now in terms of libertarian, I'm saying small L libertarian, candidates within the GOP actually having uh, some success. Now, obviously, Austin placed third. I know Nick Polsize up in uh, – I forget the district up in um, – it's Paul Ryan. seat. he placed second in the, the GOP primary. Um, we had Nick Freitas, obviously, uh, in, in Virginia lose just a little bit there um, to Corey Stewart. And, you know, obviously, they, they were three very strong liberty-oriented candidates. But then, if we're going to look at people who are actually – not only winning but also having a really strong chance in in bringing liberty into the gop we have eric brakey up in maine who is now the the solo republican candidate running against a democratic socialist and then a um the current incumbent angus king who is self-identified as an independent and then um we had kane um win over in tennessee for the mayor of knox county and I look at those two examples right there, where you have you have these these liberty minded, and I'd say small l libertarian elected officials, or or possibly at the point to win, like with Eric Brakey up in Maine. And I I don't know why we're we I, I understand the role of the L P in in terms of bringing libertarian party candidates into D C, but why why I don't want to say hurt these people within the GOP who are liberty curious and interested in supporting liber- libertarian, small L libertarian candidates, if the overall goal is supposed to be to bring liberty into action in these various uh, various elections and, and to the point that they're actually governing yeah. and bring libertarian uh, policies into action.
1: Oh, understood. Understood. I mean, now one, uh, I'm so glad that, that uh uh, Kane won over there in Tennessee. Um, I think that was a nonpartisan race, technically. But um, Eric Brakey, I know him back from my uh, early New York City days, uh, from banking for Ron Paul over there at Liberty HQ in Manhattan. And uh, no one works part of that guy. I mean, uh, Eric Brakey's success is Eric Brakey. <laughs> like that guy. Mm-hmm. That guy is that guy is a, is a, is a working machine. Um, so uh, I wish I always wish him the best. Um, you know, and then the thing is that when it comes down to as I mentioned kind of like the other day, like I mean, as a, as a Libertarian Party official, my mission is to grow the Libertarian Party. And my focus is going to be promoting Libertarian candidates. I'm not going to make a practice of denigrating uh, people I, I like or people who I get along with or people that I share values with, like many of the people you mentioned. But my I as vice chair, I do have a vested interest in basically growing this vehicle because I do believe that this vehicle in the long run is, is going to be the vehicle where libertarians can be libertarians, where you have a broader coalition of libertarians instead of um, a, 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 libertarian, a, a libertarian niche within a broader non-libertarian coalition. Um, I think you can build that, and I think you can build that to a, a winning majority. But basically my job is to basically make the case for what the path is there and that it's worth investing the time. So I'm yeah. not going to denigrate candidates in other parties, but I'm going to definitely make the case that this is the this is the party that I think is... I think is the greatest in the long run, the greatest value in investing time and, and uh, time and money. Now that doesn't mean everybody has to just commit themselves to one, but I've, I've gone all in and yeah, I'm going to work hard to inspire others to do so as well.
0: And trust me, Alex, I, I, I understand you, you have a tough job because you see the Liberty minded candidates and you, you personally support them, but obviously your role is to support the libertarian party. But I guess that leads to a bigger question and a bigger issue honestly and that's what's what's the libertarian party's real goal is it and and i'm asking you is now you're the vice chair and i'm hoping maybe you have like a a substantive answer is is the libertarian party going to simply be this alternative party that competes with the, the republicans and democrats and then fosters like almost like in a think tank kind of environment where you're bringing up the the ideas of libertarianism you're trying to educate people or is the libertarian party's goal to actually win elections that matter and that's something that i think not just myself but a lot of libertarian either big L libertarian or libertarian curious people are are hesitant in in you know they're hesitant in making any decisions one way or the other on the libertarian party as a whole because We don't know. What is the Libertarian Party's goal? I think at this point, I mean, in 2016, I think the
1: consciousness towards and the sort of the perception of the Libertarian Party changed quite a bit. And I think even the perception towards themselves and the members. Okay, well, you know, um, so I do think we are trying to build a viable political vehicle. We do have people winning elections. We do have people in elected office. Now, it's not as many as we'd like. It's not as high office as you like, but that's how, that's how you build an organization. It doesn't happen one day. Again, 40 years, basically you had a handful of people who got together and signed the document 40 years ago. There wasn't 50 state affiliates. We didn't have ballot access in any states. We didn't have the organization we have today. That took time to build. Um, and people don't realize that when you're a third party, the kind of hurdles you have to jump through, that parties that have been around over 100 years don't have to jump through to build up. When you build that up, you accomplish a lot of things. And we are getting people elected. We do have uh, near 200 people elected, which I know again, it can be a drop in the bucket, but that's how it starts. Every time you get another person in any office, whether it's dog catcher or up, um, it just builds a little bit more credibility. A little bit more credibility gets you a little bit more donors, a little bit more media, and a little bit more volunteers. And that little bit more gets you a little bit higher office. It's going to be a it's, a, it's basically a pyramid. You've got to win all those smaller offices before you can win the bigger offices. Because also those smaller offices provide you your ground game. Um, I know that when I ran for the U.S. Senate, my vote totals were higher in the places where we had local party chapter, where we had local party candidates. So a lot of my focus is local. A lot of focus of a lot of people is local. Now, of course, you have to run those bigger, bigger candidates because those are the ones that get the media. So we do run U.S. Senate candidates, we do run a presidential candidate, but we do realize, and many people realize, and Larry Sharp is also very vocal about this, that our area for growth is going to be in those local elections. And where we can really make statements is in re-electing sitting legislators we have, like uh, Caleb Dyer and Brandon Finney in New Hampshire, or Laura Hefke in Nebraska, you know, so we have, we have an opportunity to make some real big statements this, this uh, year. Um, so I'm pretty excited about that but, we, but the thing is that it's not just electing We do want to elect people I think we will elect more people And I think we will eventually be able to displace One or even both of the current establishment parties Because they are older institutions that are stagnating That's what happens to older organizations They become very top-heavy mm-hmm. They become very heavy in bureaucracy They become harder to change to the point where they can change And the Libertarian Party is young It's much easier to change right now It has it's it's it's, it's much room for growth now, again, it's hard to grow, but this is a party where you can really make a difference, where you can really kind of, uh, where basically one person can come and have a big influence on the direction of the party right now. know, uh, One day, if everything goes well, which I think it will, one day we'll grow, and maybe one day the Libertarian Party will be giant and stagnant and die, like every <laughs> every institution does. But I hope that, I hope that happens, because I mean, we were successful at some point, and we made some really big changes, um, you know? But uh, all institutions, they go through a life cycle. It's, that's that's how it goes. But I mean, at the end of the day, I do feel like the, the, the establishment parties are towards the end of their life cycle. Um, doesn't mean necessarily there isn't anything, any meat to pick off those bones. But I'd rather be on a, a young vehicle that has the whole, its whole future ahead of it that I can shape. Um, mm-hmm. So that's sort of my view on it. And I do think we're, but it's not just the elections that change the world but it's also the fact that you have a community of Libertarians. Mm-hmm. While there's a variety, a big coalition of Libertarians from all across the Libertarian spectrum, we all get along. Not again, sometimes we don't, especially on social media, but you know, when you go to like, the LNC, the National Convention, you go to state conventions, people get along, people make an effort to help each other, whether it is uh, taking care of each other's kids, giving each other a ride. And to me, that is a big thing, because that Libertarian community becomes an example of the Libertarian ideas. So people everyone talks about wanting to build on Kapistan, you know that that <laughs> island where it's just perfect libertarianism. But technically, the, it doesn't have to be a place. It's a community that we have that's everywhere. That and when we connect with each other, and when other people see how valuable that that community is, how much we help each other, that mutual aid, that voluntary help that we do, it inspires others to want to to want that to be part of that. Oh yeah, absolutely. And I think that's, and I think that's a tremendous value of something that we're building within the Libertarian Party. Uh, we're building a community that is of vol- voluntary nature in action. At the same time, we are organizing very hard politically. But again, yeah, you know, it's 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 all about context. We're in a weird spot in the sense that we are, I would say, bigger than all the so-called third parties in the sense that, you know, we, we are in a special place in people's minds that we're, you know, we're considered maybe, let's say, maybe a match of the Green Party. <laughs> but we're not quite, you know, we're a fraction of the size of the two establishment parties. So the problem is people impose establishment party expectations on us when our infrastructure is probably more similar to some of those, at least at this point, two parties that are low, which is a good thing, because the fact that people have those kind of expectations of us also means that there's a perception of we that allows us to grow. And that's a good thing but it is a unique challenge where basically the people are expecting you to be able to perform in the same way that people who have, you know, a thousand times resources. But we are, in the sense, I mean, we are making big moves even within that context. And one of the reasons I think that is, is because of our bottom-up nature. A lot of people criticize it because when you see a bunch of people trying out different things, it sometimes doesn't seem very cohesive. It doesn't seem very organized, but that's the beauty of it. That's why I like markets. Because when you see different people trying different political strategies, you find out what doesn't work, you find out what does work. We don't have millions of dollars we're spending on consultants to, to, to pretend to figure that out. We actually figure it out by making mistakes, and we get better for it. And we've been able to grow um, to be the largest emerging party Before that.
0: Mm-hmm. I, so let me – let's, let's uh, rewind a little bit. So first, I, I agree 100 percent that – Local elections obviously are going to be huge, and and I've actually had quite a few people on. I actually had Shane Hazel um, on back a couple months ago, and we discussed that very notion that um, the best way to really to help spread the concepts of liberty is to to reach people on a more you know person to person basis, and to to elect you know your your school board to elect your your city councilors as libertarians. Um, than it is to, to vote for Gary Johnson for president. Because at the end of the day, that local election is going to have a lot more impact, not only on your personal life, but also you're going to have much more interaction and learn a lot more about libertarianism from that person that you know personally. So I agree with that. And I, I agree with the idea of the, the, the pyramid, if you will, for libertarianism, that really we we are built by... The volunteers were built by the, the the community of libertarian ideals and, and libertarian members, be they Big L or otherwise. The the problem I have, and this is where I think this, I'm not sure how much you can comment on this, but I do have to ask. So people want to join the Libertarian Party. People are, <laughs> are hungry for the alternative between, or the alternative from what we have currently in, in the Republican Party and the democratic party and as you rightfully said those two parties they're at i think like you said they're at their their end of life they're so corrupt and they're there's such there's such disdain towards those parties i mean hell we had donald trump and hillary clinton two literally the two least popular candidates in american presidential electoral history and and i would say that's part of the reason that gary johnson was able to to have such a a strong opportunity and then they see people like like our current chairman Nicholas Nicholas Sarwark, who just tosses bombs. And I know that's kind of who he is. But you know, when there was a back and forth, I'm not sure who it was be- with the specific person. But you know, they're asking about you know the the libert- you know Can you tell me, Mr. Chairman, who the current uh, you know sitting libertarian candidate or current libertarian senator is um, <laughs> nationally? And uh, he said, Well, you know. Let me know when Austin uh, actually gets to the point that he's in in the the, the final election. It's like okay, he, he's he's got a point, but like is that really the role for the chairman of the third largest political party in the United States to be to be just you know tossing these these little snarbs snarky bombs at people via social media and and you know that really in my personal opinion but also looking uh anecdotally at people i've interacted with it's very off-putting and it and it turns a lot of people away from the libertarian party because they look at libertarians as you know this this third-rate political party who they don't take themselves seriously so why would i take them seriously and get involved and and then you know looking at how they treat each other or treat people who used to be libertarians why would I want to be subjecting myself to that or people that I would want to support who maybe, you know, they say the wrong thing. Why would I want to subject them to the, the you know, chairman of the, the party or the infighting uh, going after them? So I, I, with all that being said, I just want to turn to you to kind of get your your take and maybe give a little bit more nuance or, or tell me that, you know, <laughs> Hopefully tell me that, that Chairman Sarwark is trying to curtail things um, from, from what has been his, his standard operating procedure. I mean, at the end of the day, I can't, I
1: can't speak for uh, everyone in every party. At the end of the day, you go to any party, you'll find people in leadership and you'll find people who are just members who are going to basically really pull on uh, the things that the, I guess trigger people would be the word. But that's one of the reasons why I ran. That's one of the reasons I wanted to be vice chair because I did want to be that ambassador. I did want to be that sort of welcoming face. Um, you know, uh, you know I, not, a lot of libertarians necessarily always have the reputation of uh, putting up, but I do believe that if people just go to a local Libertarian party meeting, that they'll find that they're going to find a lot of great people doing great work that they like at their local Libertarian party meeting. That, you know, basically the people who are, who are really going to impress them and really show them what we're at, aren't the people they're going to see always online. I mean, you'll see them online to some extent, but you're really going to see what
0: they offer when you see them in person. But the person that you're speaking to is the chairman of the the actual party. And I think that's part of the problem is that one of the the most divisive voices that the LP currently has in actually bringing new people into the party is its actual chairman. And I think that's that's the greater issue is that we have a chairman who just – has this, this knack to just poke at people through social media. And I understand that, that you know, that's kind of Sarwark's, his personality, but, like, that doesn't foster building things beyond our little own echo chamber. I think that's the point I'm trying to make, and that's something I'm so frustrated over because I want to be part of the, the grand Libertarian Party, but when I see the way that, you know, that Sarwark treats certain individuals in the movement, I really get you know, dis- discouraged.
1: No, I can understand that. I mean, di- different things discourage different people in different ways. I mean, and again, I can't change everybody. Like, I can't just change who's in what position from the tip of my fingers. But what I can do is basically try to be an example of a better way of doing things. And, I mean, again, I've only been vice-chair for a little bit over a month. Um, so I've been trying to be sort of very visible, very open, have a very open door for everyone. So that way people can experience um, what that kind of welcoming ambassador will look like and sound like. Mm-hmm. And I'm hoping that the rest of other members of the LNC, which some have, um, will embrace some of that. Um, and some have gone in very different directions, um, But there are many who I think have, are, I think we have a great crop. I think I'm really excited about the LNC we have right now. Um even 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 despite the last couple of days, I there's a lot of great people <laughs> who I adore uh, on there. Uh, a lot of them I got to know really well over the last six months campaigning for vice chair. But at the end of the day, it's it's um, I'm I'm setting an example and there's people who are not just even on the LC, but people who are in state parties, state leadership, people who are in local leadership who are taking that example and taking it to heart. And I do think we're starting to have a lot more positive. Ambassadors in places of leadership. Yes, I understand. Uh, you know what? Some positions are more visible than others, but it, it's a day at a time. And you know, I just got here. But I'm, I'm. I plan on. I, I, I plan on uh, having a very positive cultural shift.
0: Gotcha. All right. And listen, Alex, I, I want you to know, it, my frustration is not with you. You are an absolutely phenomenal dude, and I'm. I'm just. I'm trying to get some answers because time I've ever had any in obviously it's gonna be anecdotal but anytime I've had any interactions with our current chairman I I've left every interaction with just the, the the worst taste in my mouth and I'm like damn it Nick if you want people to join the LP then you have to to be someone who people can talk to like honestly Alex like what you're doing like you're you're being that welcoming face but it's like like you get a handshake and then as soon as you get the handshake you get a slap across the face from someone else behind you and that's it's so frustrating especially because i really i am I'm, I'm just gonna be honest with you i don't have much hope to see the lp grow to really have the ability to to build that volunteer base and to bring new people into the party if they if their first interactions are with bomb throwers at the top and then infighting at the bottom It just it seems like we need to have a, a almost like a come to Jesus moment where pe- everybody kind of sits down and we're like, what are we doing? What's our goal as the Libertarian Party? And honestly, like we we have to. We're not if we don't take ourselves seriously, nobody else is going to take us seriously. And I think that's the biggest thing that I hope that you can bring to the LNC and, and you know t- at least talk to people about that that notion because people still look at libertarians as the group that just wants to smoke pot. We have to get beyond our infighting and to be able to create a sound messaging, to be able to to avoid the the, the snarkiness from, from various leadership roles, and to actually, like, reach out to people in a substantive manner and talk to them. I mean, just, again, anecdotally, obviously, but in my own personal life, people that I've spoke to, um, to try to to bring them into the, the liberty circles, I, I honestly, Alex, I get really nervous because I'm like, they're going to hear, you know, two weeks uh, of, you know, this person's a statist and they're a communist and then, you know, oh... Uh, If you ran for president in 2016 for the libertarian party and you leave, well, you're, uh, you're dead to us basically. So bye from, from certain people. And I'm just like, that's, that's going to turn them off, turn them off. And they're never going to look back. They're going to turn away from the LP and they're going to say, screw that. That's, that's just out there because they can't even, they can't even, you know, walk in a straight line, let alone try to, to lead to real substantive electoral victories. So I'm sorry for that, that kind of tangent there, but I mean, that's, I just want you to know that's really a sentiment that not only myself but a lot of people in the movement have. We want to get involved, but we're being held back, and it's really, really frustrating because we we so badly want to see these ideas promoted in a in a honestly in a grown up way.
1: Oh, understood. And I think I think things are evol- evolving. I mean, I think 2016 was a real um, sort of a year that. That sort of was a catalyst for a process. That process is going on now. Um, Basically, you know, where basically you have an infuse of new, uh, basically of new enthusiasm, a a new generation of libertarians. And you just kind of have this sort of, right now, this internal dialogue. like a lot of this conflict that's going on is an internal dialogue of the libertarian party. Of finding itself in this sort of new level of its growth, and it's, it's in a sort of, I guess, pubescent stage right now. The the Libertarian Party is going through puberty, is the best way to think about it. And just like puberty is very awkward, um, but you know what? The, what what more exciting time it is to be part of something than when it is that that volatile and that moldable. Um, and yes, it can be very frustrating sometimes. Trust me, <laughs> um, I've had my moments. But um, I, I see the potential, and I'm meeting so many people who are doing great work uh that i am hopeful and i mean i do and you know a lot of people give uh gary johnson a lot of strife but i mean one thing i must say is that gary johnson brought in the way i like to think about well, like a lot of the people like a lot more people came to libertarians and became very hardcore libertarians from gary johnson than a lot of people realize people who were just sort of like you know never really thought about politics but they just like gary not because of necessarily any particular view but they just he was a nice guy uh, mm-hmm. and like, absolutely oh, and um, a lot of those people were like, okay, let me learn more about this word, libertarian, and they became people libertarians. But these were people who weren't necessarily as ideologically focused as people like me who were brought in with like Ron Paul. Like I, I, just loved all the stuff about like Austrian economics and, and, and just economics as a whole and policy wonkery. So I get like really like like to go really deep in the weeds, and I'm I guess I'm I'm a fairly ideological person. Um, I've become I've learned to balance my ideological temperament with my with communicating with others and building relationships. But oftentimes it's very hard to have both. Um, but, you know, with, with a lot of the people that Liber- uh, Gary Johnson brought in, you kind of have this sort of, these continue to people who are, um, who care a lot, who do care a little bit more about that, about nice, about that community, that soft sort of building bridges and communication and whatnot. And that's a good thing because that's something the party is needed. And again, no one, it's, a, it's like economics, division of labor. You need people who do different things. And that's why you need different types of candidates who appeal to different types of people. Um, the problem is everyone wants everyone to fill the same role that they do. And that's sometimes, this is what you get a lot of conflict out of that. Um, and then that's why I want to be a leader who can kind of appreciate that there is a division of labor. And I want to inspire people of all different stripes to get involved and try to help them find their place and realize that it's not, it's oftentimes not each other that they dislike. Is just that maybe we're just not finding the best way we're out. we're not allocating our labor the best way yet, mm-hmm. and just and um I, we'll all be happier when we all find a place where we're really pushing the change we want to change and and, and seeing seeing the results out of it. So agreed. Uh, I think I, again, I'm. I'm the more, especially after traveling this year and seeing what a lot of these states are doing, how many states have really kind of broken through ballot access-wise this year, are going to break through ballot access-wise this year, and have pretty solid candidates. Uh, like, I'm really big fans, of course, Larry Sharp, uh, Travis Irvine in Ohio, Mary um, Saber in New Jersey. I mean, they're pretty solid candidates running pretty traditional campaigns and, uh, you know, doing a lot of, you know, traditional retail politics and working their, their butts off um you know and it's 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 pretty hard to see that because i do remember pre-2016 um where you know you ran i mean there were candidates across the country i mean some states were different than others in new york new york is definitely um uh, i would say we're 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 much more organized now but pre-2016 we weren't the most we weren't the most organized of the different states and you know most candidates were just like okay i'm gonna be a candidate cool um and there was sort of no idea there like I, I literally learned everything pretty much from Jeffrey Carson. I mean, basically, I ran for Senate. Uh, I voted for Austin over there at the convention, and then literally after they announced the election results, I literally went and ran over to Jeffrey Carson and said, "Hey, do you want to do you want to work with me now?" <laughs> uh, That's a good guy to um, ask too. And uh, yep, so uh, you know, Evolt did the compliance for my U.S. Senate campaign, and uh, Jeff was a huge resource and and allowed me to gave me the tools for me to run a much more traditional campaign. And then Austin was a huge supporter in that, um, which is why I, I do have a huge debt of gratitude towards him. Um, and uh, because of that, we, we were able to travel the state. And even though, again, it was an uphill battle, one of the things it did do is that it connected a lot of those state parties. In, in, in New York, a lot of these chapters didn't know each other. They weren't really connected. They didn't see each other that often. They didn't communicate with each other that often. Um, that campaign really helped connect the state in a different way. And that helped create a lot of the organization that really is helping, um, give basically give the, the, the volunteer network that, I mean, Larry Shepard had a huge volunteer network that's very sharp and he's amazing. But <laughs> it definitely helps to have, um, that, that, that community that built up in New York post 2006. Oh,
0: for sure. Um, so let me hop in really quick. So one thing, I think is important to say, and I'd I'd hate myself for not saying it now that I'm talking to the vice chairman of the uh, Libertarian Party over there, Alex Merced, um, is that I think we need to get beyond the old notions that I've seen as of late that have come up, and this is kind of taking a a little bit of a trip back to our earlier points, um, about people getting upset of, you know, recycled old republicans coming in as libertarians because the reality i think i think this is just something we we need to come to grips with is that in order to get bigger as a party and to grow beyond our own you know our own comfort level we need to bring people into the party that aren't going to be ideologically 100 percent pure libertarians and that means bringing in people like a bill weld or even I, I I was going to say even like somebody like a Jeb Bush, even though Jeb Bush, I would say is hardly a libertarian, but if we're trying to get the libertarian party beyond this 1%, 2%, 3%, we need to, as you said, bring in, we need to, we need people that know how to, to do this quote unquote political thing where, you know, you mentioned all the parties have these consultants and, and you know these campaign strategies and i'm like yeah we would have them too if there was a tangible reason for them to to hop on board and join us and and there's people out there who aren't part of the democratic and republican parties that are phenomenal voices in in you know how to run a campaign how to reach new people and they they just feel like they're not welcome because they're not in this they can't pass the, the ideological purity test for the libertarian party. And I I think we need to have again coming this come to Jesus grip come to grips moment that not everybody in the Libertarian Party is going to be a pure Libertarian and that's okay. Because if everybody in the Libertarian Party was a pure Libertarian, we'd be like point zero zero one percent in the polls every single time because nobody nobody would be libertarian enough. And with that being said, I—I I mean, that's just kind of my rant there. But I wanted to also make a point, and I'm not—I mean, I'm obviously I'm kind of going on a tangent here because I'm—I'm I'm looking at things I wish were done a little differently, and that's just kind of the way I'm approaching it. But the fact that you mentioned earlier with with some of the tweets and and the social media stuff that comes out, that those are done by by volunteers, and that just that that kind of boggles my mind a little bit. My, my background is in public relations and marketing Mm -hmm. and just the idea that a volunteer would have access to a Twitter or Facebook account of the third largest political party in the United States, that they'd just be able to tweet things that they think is tweetable without any type of, of, you know, any, Mm -hmm. any checks and balances, any running the tweets by someone that seems a little just, bonkers to me so if i can give any any suggestions to to not just you but just the lnc as a whole is i would try and tighten up the the public relations and marketing as as coherent as possible because if the lnc wants to be taken seriously they have to have a serious message going out in this one voice this one narrative and to have you know 13 different people or 13 different volunteers just aimlessly using a twitter account that happens to be the Twitter account, the third largest political party, you're going to have 13 different voices, and that's just going to be, you know, it's going to be absolute chaos. So, I mean, take that for what it's worth. Yeah, I, I mean, would hope that would reach out to to someone. I mean, at the top, that would be able to to instill some type of of standards and checks and balances. You know?
1: Yeah. Now, I mean. Just to give the the social media team their due, I mean, I I would say maybe, I don't know if it was like six years ago, there was like no social media presence for like the LP. Uh, I mean, that was that was, is one of the things that uh, uh, like Arvin Vora was one of the things who really kind of helped spearhead that back when he was first became vice chair. Um, and then, uh, but basically, there was there is a there's a process. It's not like there's a huge number of people who get access to these things. There's a huge like there's a there's a bit of a process and there's a handful of people who get the scheduled posts and whatnot and i would say 99 percent of the time it's fairly okay but yeah every once in a while people do slip but but we are trying to re- reduce that so that now that we have some more uh, facilities more resources we are making some changes we just upgraded one of my favorite people jess mears to a membership director so awesome. now as the membership so as membership director She's not only going to be focusing on membership retention, which is also something that is sort of one of the key things that I, I'll be focusing on as well. Um, so I've been working on trying to form a membership and retention committee so we can focus more on, one, building up membership and also retaining the members we do have. But she's also going to be really taking charge of social media. She already has by organizing. Uh, we're going to be doing bi-monthly meetings where the whole social media team will be um, basic, helping set up some more, more clear standards and practices and try to coordinate sort of like, you know, what topics should we focus on so that way it's a more cohesive message so you'll speak you'll definitely be saying that that's already in the process and there's no one better i can think of to do the spearhead that than jess mears uh probably uh, another one of the hardest working people i've ever met um so i'm again very optimistic there's a lot of change we've had i mean we have a press secretary that we hired uh, last year uh, Who and then there's other investments we're making the crm project that's gonna make it easier for candidates to share data between elections so that way it's not like because one of the things is that Right now, at least up till now, we pretty much every election we're starting over. Everyone's collecting new voter data, <laughs> asking everyone for their email over again. Um, but now with the CRM, we're going to have a national database where we can a candidate can keep track of who their donors or volunteers are. And then the next candidate for that office can then benefit and kind of continue with the last 10 left off. And that allows a 2% candidate to build room for the next candidate to be a 4% candidate, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So I do think we're going to start seeing some more exponential growth with some of these investments that we've made. If you want to follow what's going on in the Libertarian Party, I am making an effort to try to keep people updated with what's going on in the national, what's going on within the party, awesome candidates. So do like my Facebook page as vice chair, which is at facebook.com slash Alex Merced for LNC. So that's facebook.com slash Alex Merced for LNC. Uh, or you can just type in Alex Merced vice chair. And you can feel free to like any of my other Facebook pages. There's a few of them. Um, and uh, <laughs> they follow me on Twitter and such. So I... I I'm, I'm an open door. Anyone who has any questions about the Libertarian Party, any questions about libertarianism, if you're, if, you, if you're still curious about what libertarianism is, I do have libertarian101.com, where I do have a handful of videos to introduce anybody to libertarian, libert, libertarianism and different ways that they can get involved and, get, and make action happen. So uh, those resources out there, along with a lot of other resources, and you can always find everything at alexmerced.com.
0: Awesome, buddy. Well, listen, keep up the good work. You're, you're doing a great job. And and thank you for taking the arrows here because not many people would, would have the stones that come on a show where they know it's going to be a little a little back and forth here. So, hey, thank you for being the oh. voice. I really do appreciate it. Um, ladies and gentlemen, if you want to find Alex, <laughs> again, head over to Facebook, uh, facebook.com, Alex Merced for LNC. Twitter, uh, at Alex Merced. Instagram, Alex Merced. Website, alexmerced.com. Again, guys, Alex is one of the good guys. Uh, you know, give him a give him a like, give him a follow, ask him questions. Um, he's going to be a great voice and a great uh, a, a great. Uh, how do I want to frame this, Alex? You're going to be one of those people that you're going to get so many phone calls that you're going to get sick and tired of it because we're looking to you to be uh, that that in between mediator. But man, keep it up. So until next time, folks, it's Brian Nichols here in the Brian Nichols Show. You can follow me on Twitter at BNicholsLiberty and on Facebook at BNicholsLiberty. Uh, And signing off here for the, uh, the vice chair of the Libertarian National Committee, Alex Merced. This is Brian Nichols on The Brian Nichols Show. We'll see you next week. Thank you.